Gather round, one and all, and listen to tales of excitement and adventure. Tales of daring heroes, savage monsters, and bards who just couldn't keep it in their pants. Tales of friendship, nobility, drunken foolishness, and unforgettable fun. These are tales of role-playing games, fair listeners, and this is Rollin' Bones. My name is Ryan Howard, and I shall be your guide. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard, your source for the best in RPG interviews. I am your host and king of the boneheads, Ryan Howard, and tonight we actually do not have an interview. Uh, I'm flying solo for the whole month of December uh, just due to scheduling things being a little bit difficult around the holiday season. Um, But I'm super excited about what we've got going on tonight because we are talking about something that I'm very passionate about. We're talking about something that I've recently been extremely obsessed with, um, because it's a thing that I just get into uh, binges on. Uh, When it comes to this particular topic, I will get in moods. Typically, it's around the holiday season due to various different factors that inform this. Um, But tonight, we're talking about Star Wars. And uh, very specifically, we're going to talk about Star Wars RPGs and my personal philosophy when it comes to running a Star Wars RPG and and what I would do if you were at my table, the Star Wars RPG that I would be presenting to you. And real quick, I've just got to uh, knock down a couple myths here in chat. Uh, Qui-Gon Jinn is not the best Jedi the best Jedi is Obi-Wan Kenobi. The second best Jedi is Kyle Katarn. The third best is Luke Skywalker. And the fourth best is Kiati Mundi. Actually, fourth best is Mace Windu. Fifth best is Kiati Mundi. Sixth best is Mara Jade. So. We're just putting that out there. That's a little that's a little discussion that Elfie and I have had for years now. Who is the best Jedi? She thinks it's Qui-Gon. I think she should stick to Star Trek, where her knowledge is more broad. I'm just kidding, Elfie. I love you. So, we're going to talk a little bit about Star Wars. A lot bit about Star Wars. And before we dig right into the actual Star Wars conversation, I wanted to talk a little bit about my history with the franchise, Um, specifically why I find myself getting in these kind of binge moods when it comes to Star Wars. And a lot of it is very seasonal, I found. A lot of it is very focused around December, and there's a couple of reasons for that. When I was big into Star Wars to begin with, right around, you know, 1999, 2000, uh, right in the heart of the Phantom Menace craze, 
was when I had my first encounter with Star Wars. Um, my dad showed me the movies for the first time right right around then. Uh, I don't know why he did this, but before I even watched the first Star Wars movie, before I watched Star Wars or A New Hope for the fetuses in the audience... My dad told me that Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father. My dad gave away the the twist without any hesitation or anything like that. He he goes, you know, you're going to like this movie. There's this this giant monkey thing named Chewbacca that hangs out with this guy Han Solo. And there's this kid, Luke Skywalker, he's a Jedi, and he's fighting Darth Vader. And then we find out that Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. I'm like three years old, so none of this is... None of this has any significance to me yet. I don't know what this franchise is. I haven't seen these movies. Uh, But, you know, I watch the movies and I love them as much as a three, four-year-old could love movies because uh, they were fun and awesome and right around that time like I said the Phantom Menace marketing machine was in full swing um, I did not see it in theaters the first time I saw it this was after you know my dad had shown me the movies we were in Target and they had this giant uh, floor display you guys all remember these things that had the VHS tapes in it it was this big floor display of Anakin with his uh, with his uh, pod racing helmet on, and I think Darth Maul was on it too. I could probably pull up pictures on Google. Episode one was not the reason I got into Star Wars, but it was the reason why Star Wars was so readily available to me. Uh, again, as a four five year old. First watching these movies, I, I think it was four when I got the the Phantom Menace because I remember watching it all the time, and I had to be home to watch it all the time. Um, it it did help, but you know I thought Phantom Menace was awesome because I didn't know any better. Now, in hindsight, I'm willing to forgive some of the sins of Phantom Menace, uh, knowing what we got later. Yes, I think every single new trilogy movie is worse than The Phantom Menace. They are not the worst Star Wars movies. That dubious distinction goes to Attack of the Clones. But they are all worse than The Phantom Menace. So, that's that's how I got into the franchise. And around this time... I have a December birthday. As we're doing this, my birthday is actually tomorrow. My birthday is December the 8th. So I am one of those December birthdays. Um, People always joke about combination birthday Christmas presents for December babies. That rarely happens to me because I have an early December birthday. I mean, like... Some, like, friends will be like, here's a birthday Christmas present for you, and I don't care because I'm an adult. It's, I I don't care. But when I was, like, growing up, it was never that big of a deal. 
I mean, like my my relatives, my my aunt and uncle would give me an actual Christmas present, and then on my birthday they'd give me like a gift card or something like that. But I, no one was like, here's your combination birthday Christmas present. You're not going to get anything from us December 25th, or we don't have anything for you uh, here on December the 8th. We're going to give it to you on the 25th with all the rest of your stuff. It just never happened to me. And I didn't grow up especially rich or anything like that. It's it, it just missed me. And Elfie, thank you for the early happy birthday, even though you'll be here with me tomorrow. I appreciate it. Uh, it is my 25th birthday for anyone who's wondering. So I am a quarter century old. I now get lower car insurance premiums, which I'm actually happy about. Pretty excited for that. But anyway, Star Wars still is connected to the holidays with me or for me because again like right at that first birthday right around that time right around 1999 probably even 2000 was was maybe when I got the the majority of it um I remember like those birthdays I got a ton of Star Wars stuff um recently there'd be new star wars movies that came out they they all came out around christmas time um so i i'd go see them at you know right before christmas you know my friends and i were gonna go see the new star wars movie uh that tradition lasted all the way up until last year when elfie got to go with my parents and i to see rise of skywalker and she got to witness my reaction to that movie live and Elfie, I, I think you uh, will, will continue to say that was one of the funniest sights of your entire life, watching me have a meltdown in the theater while, uh, while this movie played out in front of me. And as a Star Trek fan, Elfie is very familiar with the way in which Jar Jar Abrams can mess with your favorite franchise. And as we walked out, I looked over at her and said, I now know your pain. I know what it's like for something you love to be Abrams. And if Jar Jar Abrams gets his grubby paws on Superman, I might just quit everything. You guys may never see me anymore. I might have to leave this Earth if Jar Jar Abrams gets to make a Superman movie. We've come dangerously close to it once. I actually have that script. I've not read it. Anyway, th there are a couple other things that really drive Star Wars in, in conjunction with the holiday season. I've run Star Wars one-shots around... Christmas time. Um, one of the big things, and and one thing that really really cemented my love for Star Wars, was just a few years after this, 2004 or so. I'm about nine years old. Um, my dad took me to Walmart right after my birthday to you know spend some of my birthday money, because when I was a kid, uh, holding on to money was not 
a priority for me. Money was worthless except for the fact that you traded it for stuff. And that is still something that I am struggling with today. So, you know, I'd, I'd immediately like, I'd immediately be like, oh, I want to go buy an action figure or something like that. Not even caring that in three weeks we're going to do this all over again with Christmas. Didn't matter to me. Uh, you know, there, there's always something that I could find that I didn't put on my Christmas list because I didn't know it existed or I didn't know I needed. Usually it was an impulse buy, typically an action figure or something like that. Uh, but this time, you know, we were walking through Walmart and I saw this Star Wars game. It was Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy, one of the best Star Wars games of all time. And it called to me and I picked it up and, you know, dad looked at it. I was nine years old. Buying a T-rated game was a little bit of a process with us in the day. But he picked it up. He flipped it over, looked at it and he was like, oh, you create your own Jedi it's Star Wars. It should be good. Go for it. And so I bought uh, Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy, installed it that night, played it, and I love that game. That is, to this day, in my top ten as far as video games are concerned. I love that game with every fiber of my being, and I will play it probably here in just a few weeks because I'm currently working on Jedi Outcast. It seems like every year around this time, I reinstall every single game in the franchise. I always forget that I am not of the generation that would have appreciated uh, Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2. So I always try to play it, try to mod it, and no matter what I do, it's still a janky-ass 1997 first-person shooter. I'm sorry for anyone who loves that game. I know it's a beloved classic. I just can't get into it. I always struggle with that one. So I inevitably skip over to Jedi Outcast, which is a great game when I remember playing multiplayer with my friends on, and then, you know, it, it culminates with uh, Jedi Academy, one of my favorite games of all time. And the first Star Wars game I ever played. I got Battlefront shortly thereafter, but Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy always will hold a special place in my heart and will always be associated with the holiday season because of the time in which I got it and first played it. So that's what's got me in the Star Wars mindset. And not only do we have those awful, awful films that came out over the past few years, we've also had some good films come out. Um, Rogue One, I think, is pretty good. I've got issues with it. Those have nothing to do with the movie itself, though, more what it has to do and the ramifications therein of, you know, the expanded universe, which is all now not canon. Um, I'm sorry, I just have to be upset about that. But, you know, these days around the holidays, Mandalorian drops a new season. And Mandalorian is my favorite show. It's my favorite show that's currently doing episodes. I love that show so much. So, so much. And it's so magical. It it makes my dreams come true. It's weird to be saying this as a 25-year-old man, but that show makes my dreams come true. And so when the new episodes drop, I am always on a huge Star Wars kick. And so that leads me to 
tonight's episode where we are going to talk a little bit about some Star Wars RPGs, and I'm going to give you a rundown on how I would run a Star Wars game. So, uh, without further ado, let's move over to some screen share so I can show you guys a little bit of cool stuff. All right, everyone. Welcome to How Ryan Would Run Star Wars Role-Playing Game. One thing we have to talk about real quick is systems. Uh, what I'm showing you guys right now is Star Wars Legion. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, this is Fantasy Flight's uh, Star Wars tabletop skirmish game. The reason I have this pulled up is for the miniatures. Uh, I I like skirmish games. I think they're cool. Um, it's it's a little bit of a tall order for me to find people who will play them with me these days. But, you know, stuff like this is always really cool. I love it a lot. And, you know, with this, you have these really cool, really detailed Star Wars miniatures. Uh, Fantasy Flight did a great job with this particular product. And when it comes to getting miniatures for a Star Wars game, this is pretty much your one-stop shop. There are things here that, you know, maybe you want, but you won't be able to find. You know, like if you're looking for, if you're running a game that's set in the Legends timeline, uh, you know, associated with, say, the Jedi Knight series, and you want a Kyle Katarn miniature, that's a tall order. You're not going to be able to find one very easily, at least to my knowledge. I might have to hunt one down, because I think Wizards of the Coast might have had a line a while back. I don't really remember. But when it comes to getting your Stormtroopers, your Darth Vader, your Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, all that stuff, you know... This is, you know, this this game is going to be your your thing. And of course, you can get the uh, the always good Obi-Wan Kenobi. So, let's talk a little bit about systems. There are three major Star Wars RPGs that really really matter, and all three are still uh, you know, very actively played. All three have communities around them. It's easy to find people who are willing to play these games. Uh, I have a favorite. I've not played the other two, though. So, there's that. So, uh, the first one, chronologically, as well as uh, in, in the order that I've got pulled up here, is Star Wars The Role-Playing Game from West End Games. This came out in 1987 and was supported all the way through 1996. Um, it was based on the uh, the D6 system that they had for the Ghostbusters RPG. Um, and so much of what we know about the Star Wars Expanded Universe, so much that ended up in Timothy Zahn's books... Um, you know, so, so much that we associate as the, the extra trappings of Star Wars came from this game. Because when you have an RPG, you have to have just comprehensive, exhaustive lists of these are the species that you'll encounter. These are the weapons that you can carry. 
Because no one's going to be satisfied with, you know, you can carry Han Solo's blaster and a Stormtrooper rifle. Those are your weapon options unless you have a lightsaber. No. That's bullcrap. Come on. So, I mean, like with that in mind, you have to expand things. And this game did a fantastic job doing it. This is the Star Wars game still to so many people to the point where Fantasy Flight, when they picked up the Star Wars license not too terribly long ago in 2018, they reprinted this book and all of the source books. Um, And and that's still out there uh, because Fantasy Flight, I believe, still holds the license. So, you know, that. You can get that pretty easily. This game is super easy to still get a hold of, including all of the supplemental material. So if you want a simple game to start with, you know, for for playing Star Wars RPGs, this is the game I would recommend. Because the the system is very easy. It uses D6s. Um, All of the material is out there for you. Um, easy to consume. It's great. It's it's all available for you. So yeah, this is you know West End Games Star Wars the role playing game. That's the first one we want to talk about. The next one we want to talk about is actually my personal favorite of these games because after West End Games declared bankruptcy in 1998, they were bought up by Wizards of the Coast, including the Star Wars license. So what did Watsy do? In 2000 and 2002, uh, Watsi put out Star Wars the role-playing game. Or Star Wars role-playing game. None of these Star Wars RPGs are very creatively titled. I'll say that. So they put this out right around the same time that Attack of the Clones came out. Um... Actually, they put it out right around the time that Phantom Menace came out, uh, and then they did a revised edition with Attack of the Clones material. Um, By all accounts, this first edition of the game was very, very complicated, and I've actually not played just the core, basic Star Wars role-playing game. However, they did put out a crap ton of material for this, all the way up through 2002... Stuff that covers all different time periods within the Star Wars world. We'll get to that. But in 2007, they put out a revised, revised edition of the game that streamlined a lot of things and would go on to inform what D&D became in 4th edition. And this is Star Wars Saga Edition. Saga Edition is, by all accounts... Uh, unless you're one of those West End Games purists, and I've not played that game, so I can't speak to it. But by all accounts, this is the best Star Wars RPG. Uh, This is my RPG of choice. Anyone who's familiar with Knights of the Old Republic, uh, you know, it uses the D&D 3.5 rule system. Uh, So you're basically playing Knights of the Old Republic on a tabletop with this game. So you're going to be super familiar with everything you encounter here. But it it does a lot of cool things. Um, It's a great game, and again, a crap ton of supplements. 
this edition was supported all the way up through 2010. That's three years, which is not a long life in terms of role-playing games. Um, longer than some get, though. And keep in mind, this was a license that, you know, they had from 2000. So this is 10 years of material that you're dealing with here. And a lot of the material from the original edition is compatible with Saga edition because there's only a few minor changes made, uh, but they're, you know, quality of life changes. And so you can look at all of these supplements. Um, yeah, it's it's extensive. It covers everything from, you know, Knights of the Old Republic era, Force Unleashed, they put that out, uh, for, for marketing synergy with the video game. By the way, that game, I think, is super underrated as far as its lore, uh, because it basically has been erased. It more more than any other expanded universe property besides perhaps the Thrawn trilogy um and and the implications therein Mara Jade all that stuff uh Force Unleashed does not count at all it does not matter it's gone and it cannot exist in fact they replaced it with Fallen Order uh, which is a great game if you've played it, but yeah, uh, if you like Forced Unleashed, that game's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. You can still buy it, but it doesn't count. Anyway, enough about that. You've got Clone Wars stuff. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of expanded material. One that we're going to focus on tonight, though, uh, just for my personal... Um, you know, the, the way that I would run the game uh, would be the Unknown Regions source book. So we'll be taking a look at that. Um, this product went by the wayside in 2010. Um, they did a miniature line with, with this game as well because Saga Edition was very much focused on miniature combat. Um, but yeah, great game. Super hard to find extremely expensive and it's extremely expensive everywhere this is not a game that's easy to get a hold of legally it's not easy to get a hold of um i this is not something i like to do very often it's not something i like to promote but this game is super out of print it's 10 years out of print um there's still an active online community and through that active online community, uh, the, the books have been circulated because of how rare this particular book is. So the material's out there online for free for you to get your hands on. Uh, but if you like having physical books, unfortunately, it's not going to be in the cards for you unless you really don't mind dropping $150 for the core book. I think a lot of the supplements are a little bit cheaper. But that core book, uh, it's it's easily going to cost you $150, if not more. So yeah, there's that. Uh, I do have the PDFs, though. But 
again, like no one's reprinting it. Wizards won't let Fantasy Flight reprint it. Fantasy Flight's not interested in reprinting it. It's it's gone. It's it's not there anymore. It's gone. I'm hoping in the future maybe Wizards of the Coast can, you know, get that back. I think Hasbro makes a lot of these Star Wars toys, or at least they did for a while. I don't know what that's like with Disney now. Um, so it's a possibility this could come back and get reprinted, but for the time being, no, it's it's gone. So there's that. And the last one we want to talk about here is Fantasy Flight's Star Wars role-playing game this is split into three books and this is one of the reasons why i don't like this game or why i've not ever played this game um there are five different books for this game and each of these five books cost fifty dollars uh, there's the beginner game, which is The Force Awakens, which is set right around that time. Came out 2012. Uh, you know, we're, we're, that was where the the beta of Edge of the Empire came out. Uh, but Force Awakens came out, obviously, you know, right around 2016 when the movie came out. But yeah, there's. The, the main settings for this are Edge of the Empire, which you're playing, you know, smugglers and bounty hunters and stuff like that in in the Imperial timeline. Um, Age of Rebellion, which is set during the actual war. Uh, Force and Destiny, which is set during the interim time between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope which is an extremely saturated market. It's also the first source book that introduces Jedis. Uh, Edge of the Empire and Age of Rebellion don't have Jedis at all. Uh, if you want to play a Jedi in any setting, you will have to get the Force and Destiny book or the Rise of the Separatist book to, to even have the rules for how to make a Jedi. Um, which annoyed the crap out of me. I, th there is no excuse for doing this. Uh, th this, this is an old complaint. This is an almost 10 year old complaint at this point, but this is frankly ridiculous. And this is why I didn't want to buy into this game because you you take the thing that people come to the table. People want to play Jedis. And you split it off into a completely different book. So, you know, if your friend who's GMing maybe doesn't know that this has happened, wants to run a game set during uh, the Empire's run, you know, where there's a lot of smugglers and stuff like that. You know, they like the bounty hunter stuff. They buy Edge of the Empire. You as a player, you come to the table, you want to be a Jedi. There's no rules in the book about how to be a Jedi. Turns out you have to buy another $50 book. That'll be 50 big ones, please. So yeah, that's not cool. Now, what I've heard is that this game is actually pretty good. I've also heard that this is a game where at level one, you're basically nothing. 
Uh, so take that for what it's worth. If that's not something you're into, uh, forewarned is forearmed. But yeah, people say this is a decent game. Um, yeah, I, I guess so. I'm never going to want to play it, though, because of that. And yeah, that's really that that's all there is to it. Um, it also, you know, takes out a lot of the same stuff that's in Saga Edition, you know, that expanded universe stuff because it came out after the acquisition. Um, so, yeah, that's not in this game. It's all kind of based on, you know, what you see in the movies and on Clone Wars. Clone Wars is good, but all of that expanded universe stuff is gone. And I like that stuff. So for someone like me who, you know, likes the old Star Wars expanded universe for the most part, um, you're going to want to do Saga Edition or West End Games Star Wars. Those are your, your two games there. So... Enough about talking about the systems. Let's take a little bit of a look. I'm, I'm going to pull up the uh, the Saga Edition books. Excuse me. I'm going to pull up the Saga Edition books just to you know show you guys some of the stuff that's in there. And I'm going to talk about you know kind of what I am looking for in a Star Wars game, what I would put in a Star Wars game as a GM, and talk a little bit about the eras that I'm in. You'll notice this big empty space here. That's about to not be empty. So hold on to your butts. Because I'm about to do... About to do some fancy OBS stuff. I hope. Just give me one second here. There we go. I always get annoyed when people do this on stream, but you know what? I didn't plan well, so here we go. This is it. This is Star Wars Saga Edition. Uh, I love this game. I've run it before. It's pretty cool. So, taking a look at this a little bit. Uh, let's zoom out just a touch. You can see all this crazy stuff. There's all kinds of feats. This is not a good scan, um, by the way. So again, it's not a, uh, it's not an official scan. So yeah, there's that. But yeah, just kind of looking at some of the species here. You know, you can you can play as all the kind of major ones. They're all in here. Uh, if you want to be an Ewok, you can be a damn Ewok. Fine, Gamorian, Gungan. You can be a Rodian if you're a garbage pail. Bothans. Bothans are fine. I don't have anything bad to say about Bothans. Uh, I guess if you really want to be a garbage pail, you can you can be a uh, a Gran. Those are like the trash bags of the galaxy. 
I say this purely because the Grands are the ones that throw thermal detonators at you in uh, Jedi Outcast and uh, Jedi Academy. They're super annoying and I hate them. I think they invented baseball in the Star Wars universe just because the arms on them. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I don't like Grands. Anyway. When it comes to Star Wars, you have to think about the eras that you could potentially play in. Let's let's find what we're looking at here as far as eras of play. I don't know. I don't know that they have a good section for this in this particular book. Um, oh, there we go. Eras of play. I'm blind as a bat. You know, there's all kinds of crazy stuff that you can do in a Star Wars game because you have this infinite galaxy out there. So the the main ones that this book focuses on are the rise of the Empire. Uh, you know, that's you know right within the window of Revenge of the Sith is over. Uh, you know, right before A New Hope. Uh, this is a very oversaturated market. There's so much that's canon this happened during this time this is what was happening all over the place during these different events that's a very hard sandbox to play in especially if you have a bunch of people who uh you know know the game well or know the uh know the the world well then you have the rebellion era which is you know a new hope through endor then you have the new jedi order which is right around the time of... Uh, this is actually even well after, uh, like, Expanded Universe stuff. This is, you know, 25 years after New Hope. This is right around the time where the Yuzhong Vong show up. Which, uh, you know, for anyone who's an R.A. Salvatore fan, uh, he... You know, th these are the books where Chewbacca got a moon dropped on him and these aliens that were immune to the Force showed up. Uh, so your mileage may vary there as far as uh, what you're into. But, you know, these are the main eras that are mentioned. There's other eras, too, though, because there's a Clone Wars expansion. You can play during the Clone Wars. Even with this book, uh, you can easily play during the Clone Wars. You just have to have battle droid stats, which they might even have in, in this particular book. If I go up here back to the... Uh, yeah, we take a look at this. Um, yeah, if we go down to the, the beastie area here. And even if they don't have it here, um, you got, you know, like your, your Luke Skywalker, Han Solo. What's cool about this is they have uh, stats for them in, in different episodes. Because obviously... Uh, you know, Luke Skywalker is a lot better in episode six than he is in the first movie. But yeah, you know, Boba Fett's stats. General Grievous is here. Uh, you know, allies and opponents. You got your beasts. Scrolling down, you got your stormtroopers. 
They might not actually have droids in here. Yeah, if you want droids, you have to get the Clone Wars expansion. So there's that. Sorry. But yeah, there's tons of tons of good stuff here. Anyway, you know, you've got the Clone Wars. You have the era right around uh, Phantom Menace, which is actually, I think, a good place to explore, honestly. Uh, for as much crap as I give Elfie about the Phantom Menace and about Qui-Gon Jinn, I could easily see a great role-playing game taking place where Qui-Gon is a major NPC because, you know, he, he's very much a major figure in, in the Jedi Order. So you could you could easily set a campaign around, okay, what's sifo doing? You know, he, he's on the secret mission to this planet Kamino. Uh, maybe your party has to take him there. Uh, you know, maybe you encounter Count Dooku as a Jedi. Uh, you know, th these are all cool things because your players, even if they know very little about Star Wars, Count Dooku is a bad guy. If they've seen the movies, they know that. So you get to play with their expectations a little bit and, you know, see Count Dooku before he becomes Count Dooku. You see this guy, he, you know, he's a Jedi. He's a little kind of creepy, very austere, um, maybe a little bit unsettling. But there's nothing outright villainous about him that we know of. And you can even toy around, you know, you can you can have your players kind of discover that he's falling to the dark side a little bit. Maybe even try to redeem him. You can even make it so that Count Dooku never falls to the dark side. Because, again, it's your sandbox to play in. And that's the thing you need to know about playing with these licensed titles. You need to feel the freedom to say, you know, if you encounter Darth Vader and you kill him, things are going to change. Now, good luck killing Darth Vader. Um... Especially with, like, a level one party. You know, we take a look at some of these guys. You know, let's let's say you run into... Let's go find him. Yeah, let's say you, you run into Darth Vader, circa episode four. Um, he's got levels in Sith Lord... Yeah, yeah, good luck, guys. Good luck. They don't have, uh, like, CRs. I guess they have CL. Yeah, CL. He's CL19. Character level 19, yeah. Good luck. You want to fight Obi-Wan Kenobi? CL14. He doesn't have as much dark side training. Or any. But he does have prestige class, Jedi Knight, and Jedi Master. yeah that's you know these are the stats that you're playing with uh with these particular characters if you want to have them show up so with that said you know we, we've got several different eras of play you could go all the way back to knights of the old republic again that's well-trod ground at least that particular era there that's thousands of years before the phantom menace even so there's tons of room in there if you just want things to aesthetically 
be like that, you know, have the Sith be a, you know, a larger people group like they are in that era. That's definitely something you could do. Moving past that, uh, you know, obviously the Clone Wars by this point with the Clone War series that we've had, we know pretty much what was going on everywhere in the galaxy during that time with a couple exceptions, uh, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, so the Clone Wars might not be kind of what you're looking for as far as, uh, new areas of exploration. As I've already said, the period between the Clone Wars and the rise of the Empire is well-trodden ground. It seems like Disney only wants to revisit that particular period of time, um... It's it's really weird. It's really frustrating. I, I've already said this, uh, you know, like online and stuff like that. The only way I want to go back to that time period is if we're doing an Obi-Wan series. If you want to show me what Obi-Wan is doing in the interim, you know, he's on Tatooine. Maybe he's doing secret missions on the side, dealing with unfinished business on Mandalore. If you want to show me that, that's cool. I'm I'm here for that. Anything else, though? Uh, no. Just let's leave that period of time behind. Uh, during the Rebellion, there's a little bit of stuff that you can do. You know, you can move away from what Luke Skywalker's doing and see what other sides of the Rebellion look like. And then one of the richest areas, uh, it for, for my money, is that period between... The Battle of Endor and what ends up happening in The Force Awakens, if you want to even acknowledge that exists. Um, I like to play in the old expanded universe, uh, you know, the one that was formed by these books and by the video games that I love so much. That's my favorite time period in which to play, and I treat everything like it's canon. Every book, every... it's all It's all canon. It's all canon, so, you know, if Mara Jade shows up, you know exactly what she's about. Uh, you know, if, if, heaven forbid, if Thrawn shows up, uh, your ass is grass, but you know what he's all about. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of my thing. But then there's also, even more than that, you know, if you want to acknowledge the, uh, the events of the sequel trilogy... You know, at, at the end of that, you've got a tremendous power vacuum in the universe with the First Order ostensibly wiped out, or at least weakened. So you've got the remnant of the remnant that you go, now have to go deal with. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's all kinds of adventures to be had in that world, too. What is Rey doing? You know, is, has Rey started a new Jedi Order? Has Rey crossed paths with Grogu? What happened with Grogu? Is Grogu a Jedi Master? Spoilers for anyone who's not watched Mandalorian. Should have said that to begin with. You know, it'd be cool to see, you know, because I believe Force Awakens is set like 30, I think it's a full 30 years after the Battle of Endor. So, you know, right around that time, you know, Grogu is probably in his 80s. Um which for that species is pretty young. Uh, so is he a Jedi Master? Is he just a Jedi Knight? You know, do you guys encounter 
Grogu training with whoever he ends up training with, because those episodes haven't aired as we're doing this uh, live stream here. That's all up to you. I mean, you've got Yoda stat block here. If you want to... Let's go to Yoda. There he is. Yeah, episode three, Yoda. You know, you want to play something post Force Awakens, post uh, Rise of Skywalker. You give Grogu Yoda's stats, and you're pretty much good there. Although he's like 900 at that point, so you'd be looking far in the future. But yeah, that's easy. That's it's pretty cool to do. So, with that in mind, how would I run a Star Wars game? What would I do in a Star Wars game uh, to make it fun and interesting for the players? One thing I want to go ahead and address is something that comes up a lot when we're talking about Star Wars games. The all Jedi or no Jedi rule. I actually don't believe in this rule. Now, for anyone unfamiliar... The idea behind this is the only way that everyone at the table is going to feel special and significant in their role in the game is everyone at the table has to be a Jedi or no one at the table can be a Jedi. And the reason for this is, uh, you know, when it comes to having battles with the Jedi... You know, you run into a Dark Jedi, you run into a Sith Lord. Uh, obviously, your Jedi are going to be throwing down at that point. What do the other players do? You know, do they do they just fight endless waves of stormtroopers? Uh, you know, what do you do with the players who aren't Jedi when you have the Jedi in your party? Because it seems at that point, everything has to revolve around what the Jedi are doing. Um I would argue that no, it does not. You can you can have a Jedi in a party of non-Jedi. But the reason I don't like that rule, and again, it's not a hard and fast rule. It's not written into any rule systems or anything like that. It's a suggestion for how to make the game work better. I just don't think it matters, personally. I've run part I've run mixed parties with multiple Jedi or no Jedi at all. Um it doesn't seem to matter all that much. As long as the players are having fun, you know, just just give them something to do. And there's multiple different ways to supplement uh, having non-Jedi in a party with Jedi. Obviously, the Jedi are going to want to fight other Force users. Um, you you got to throw them that kind of bone. But, you know, there's always Stormtroopers, uh, Imperial, Imperial or Imperial Remnant Intrigue, to get your players stuck in with, uh, you know, that's always cool. There's also crime lords, and some of the crime lords in the Star Wars Expanded Universe are awesome. You know, you can have them encounter Crimson Dawn if you're in kind of that era between the Clone Wars and the beginning of A New Hope, if you want Maul to be a villain, uh, you know, you can have them encounter Crimson Dawn. Or you can have them encounter uh, something similar to Crimson Dawn. Maybe the remnants of Crimson Dawn. Maybe Maul didn't actually die again. Spoilers for Star Wars Rebels for anyone who hasn't seen it. 
maybe maybe Maul is resurrected a third time, or maybe Savage Oppress is resurrected, or something like that. You can always loop that stuff back in, and and have a cool, fun game where you know you're you're deeply involved in the crime syndicates. There's the bounty hunting guilds. You know, we like. Boba Fett's not the only bounty hunter out there, as we've seen in Mandalorian. Maybe you guys run afoul of a bounty hunter. You know, there someone sends IG droids after you. There's all kinds of cool stuff to do. However, um, that that's really all I have to say about that. Besides, a party of all Jedi, no one's going to feel special in a party of all Jedi. That's like having an all-wizard or all-paladin party. There's not going to be any kind of unique flavor to something like that. And that's a point where if you have a game where everyone's a Jedi, at some point, uh, your players are going to get bored with what they're doing. I guarantee it. Because it's not going to feel cool anymore. And that's, that's a serious problem you can run into with a Star Wars game, is... It's, it's like saying I want to run a Western game. It's one that people are initially going to be super excited about. You play one to three sessions, and then people are kind of over it, unless you really hook them. And so, for the last little bit of the show here, here's how I say you hook people. And for that, we're going to switch over to a different supplement, this being... The Unknown Regions. So, for anyone unfamiliar with the Expanded Universe, there is the charted regions of the galaxy. You know, these are the planets you're familiar with. Uh, You know, you've got your core planets, your Coruscant, your... See, I'm, I'm actually not super knowledgeable on what is and is not a core planet in Star Wars. I guess I could, you know, pull this up. Go. So, yeah, your core worlds uh, that you'll be encountering. You know, the, these are the kind of, you know, big ones that people are going to encounter your Alderaan, your Coruscant. Corellia. All that kind of stuff. All the cool stuff. Felucia. Then you've got the Outer Rim, you know, your, your Tatooine, your Kashyyyk, your, uh, Let's see, what else is there? The, uh... Damn, why am I forgetting it? You guys know what I'm talking about, though. The, um... Korriban is out there, or Mordaban, if, you know, you're following new canon. Those are your, uh, you know, your, your major systems. Naboo is in the core, you know, all, all that stuff. All that, all that good stuff. So yeah, there's the core worlds, the outer rim, and then there's the unknown regions. Now for anyone familiar 
with the expanded universe, you know, this is where Thrawn earned his stripes. Uh, you know, th- this is where some of the real nasty stuff comes. This is where, you know, the Sluissi come in. This is the uncharted space. These are places that the Emperor might have explored a little bit. Maybe a couple Jedi reached out, but for the most part, you know, these are not places where a lot of stuff has happened. So you could start somewhere, like there's a sample adventure here where you end up, uh, you know, you start out on the Outer Rim, you move beyond that, and then eventually you run into Mandalorians again. Which is cool, in my opinion, because Mandalorians are always cool. You guys know this now. But yeah, there's all kinds of, like, crazy threats that you can encounter uh you know most most scary of all are the chiss which i'll show you guys here in just a little bit these are the blue people these are thrawn they're a near human species uh you know they they all tend to have dark hair ice blue skin and glowing red eyes and they are calculating and cold and super intelligent and scary as hell. And not a lot of people know a lot about them. There's a little bit in here about the Chiss. But yeah, you you can run into these guys all day and it'll be tons of fun. So, if you want to do you know, something like this, some some kind of unexplored regions of the galaxy. This gives a lot of cool options for, you know, cool stuff that you can do. And it lets you bring in a lot of different uh, outside influences. So, instead of speaking continuously in, uh, you know, kind of vague terms here, Let's talk some specifics. And while I do this, I'm going to go over to the equipment page because that stuff's always cool to me. See what kind of cool stuff we can get here. Some blast blast swords. That's hard to say. Vibro saws. All kinds of cool stuff. Black powder pistol. Jeez. Concussion rifle, that thing's a bear, if you remember. Slug throwers. Anything called a slug thrower, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, that's like a ballistic weapon. Um, Which are basically useless in the Star Wars world, unless no one has armor. Uh, So maybe on these, like, outer worlds, you might find a lot of these. A lot of these projectile weapons. So, how would I run an uncharted, unknown region game? Um, My main idea here is you would start probably somewhere like Moss Eisley. And I would set this during 
the uh, you know the period following the Battle of Endor, because again, that's my favorite period. You could set this at any time, though. You could do this right before Phantom Menace. You could do this right around the time of, uh, you know, you, you could even you could do this between the Clone Wars and the Rise of the Empire, and it would still feel pretty fresh. Um, there, there might even be an extra added level of danger. You could be Jedi's trying to escape the Empire at this point, and you know maybe the Inquisitors follow you here. That'd be a fun way to spice up that time period. Uh, you know, you could be clone troopers who, uh, you know, Order sixty six didn't stick with you. So you know, again, you're you're in exile. You could even do this during the time of the Old Republic. Uh, when maybe these worlds weren't as unknown. But my idea is you start in Moss Eisley. Uh, that's where everyone kind of meets up at in Anchorhead. Uh, you know, everyone's around. You, you can have the cool cantina scene, uh, get into trouble there. And you are approached with a job uh, you could have it be a hut, or you could have it be someone else. Talon Card would probably be my choice uh, for anyone who's read Heir to the Empire. You know, so Talon Card approaches you and says, "Hey, I've got a job for you. Uh, you have a particular set of skills. Uh, you you seem like you know your way around a blaster. Uh, you've got that lightsaber thing there that looks pretty dangerous." So I'm going to make you an offer. I'm going to pay you really well. I need you to explore some of these unknown regions here and see what's out there. Tell me what is out there so that I can start sending my people out there. You know, the the Empire is all spread out. The New Republic is everywhere as well. I need you. I, I I need a new place to operate. I need somewhere under the radar, uh, which you know, if you've read Heir to the Empire, you know that's kind of how Talon Card thinks. I need to be under the radar, shielded from the Force. Even I want you to go explore these unmanned regions or these unknown regions. Tell me what you find. So, the party would then you know take off from Mos Eisley have some kind of encounter with the Imperial Remnant. Uh, and this would be a situation where I'd say this would be an unwinnable encounter. You don't want to do this very often, but, you know, you, you want these these players to run into, like, a Star Destroyer. You know, they're flying around in a, in a freighter, and they run into a Star Destroyer with a full detachment of TIE Fighters and everything. Maybe they even run into uh, Thrawn's ship as he's coming in. Something that's going to keep them occupied for a little bit. It's going gonna, it's gonna to throw them off. And they're going to be forced down onto one of these, one of these planets that's unfamiliar. If we go up here, let's, let's take a look at some of these planets. Uh, that we've got here. Let's see.
go to 155 because you don't want them to feel samey uh like you don't want to just say hey here's a desert planet because we already know what a desert planet is you know there, there has to be some kind of new thing so like 244 core is a giant city City planets are always cool. One of my favorite places to set adventures is Narshada, which is another city planet. Uh, it's more closer to the core worlds, though. So, you know, it's not... It's not something. But if you want to do, you know, 244 two, four, four core, you want your urban adventure, that's going to be kind of where, where you set it. Uh, you could also do that on Alteria, which is also... Seems to be pretty, pretty industrial. Lots of, uh, lots of cities. Duras would be, you know, kind of wastelandy if you want to go for more of a dark sun feel. I've talked a little bit about doing like a Star Wars dark sun crossover type thing. You've got your forest planets, but... Anyway, you force your players down onto one of these unfamiliar planets. Now, my my personal pick would be some of these kind of barren planets where there's not a lot of civilization. Because what they're going to encounter as they're running from these stormtroopers, who are still chasing them, by the way, they're going to encounter... Uh, it's an image that I've had in my head for a long time. Mandalorian kind of beat me to it, though, because uh, I've had this image in my head, but they actually put it on screen. You encounter this village where, you know, the first thing the players run into is stormtrooper heads on pikes just out in front of the village. Like, yeah. we we know what's going on. We don't like outsiders. This is what we did to stormtroopers. What do you think we're going to do to you? That kind of message. That's what you want to send to the players as they're exploring these new kind of harsh worlds that they're unfamiliar with. Even if they're big Star Wars fans, they might not be familiar with some of these worlds. I'm not familiar with pretty much any of these worlds. I got so excited to bump my microphone. Anyway. As they get into this world, you know, as they're looking around... They notice that this town is kind of built around this giant arena. Everything seems to revolve around this big arena. And everything seems pretty buttoned down, pretty militaristic. You know, there's there's armed patrols walking through the city. And as soon as they walk in, these armed patrols notice them and immediately say, we need to take you to the master. We need to take you to our leader. And what the players encounter here is, and this is not a Sith Lord, but basically they will encounter a Force-sensitive warlord, maybe even a Jedi from a bygone era who was sent out here to explore these uncharted worlds. But this guy, rather than, you know, report back what he saw... Maybe he felt the temptation of the dark side. 
maybe he's forsaken the force uh, in, in all but the ways it gives him power. You know, he's not a practicing member of the Jedi Order, but he's still using his power. You have a Force-sensitive warlord who's ruling over these people and, you know, has them fight in the arena. And basically, as the players are encountering this particular menace, they will have to fight in the arena. And they'll be introduced to all of the people who are fighting in the arena. And, you know, you know maybe they'll encounter a Wookiee. You know, there'll be a Wookiee who somehow found his way there. And he's, he's kind of the, the big dog in the arena. Or maybe they'll encounter a former stormtrooper or a former clone trooper. You know, someone who's been there a while. He's got some gray in his hair. He's got a beard. But, you know, this guy used to be a stormtrooper or a clone trooper. And, you know, he, he's kind of the, he's the wise and tough guy. I like the idea of him being a stormtrooper because there's immediately a hostility there. You know, they, they find out this guy was a stormtrooper and immediately they distrust him because, you know, you stormtrooper's bad. That's the first thought. For anyone who's familiar with Star Wars, stormtroopers are the bad guys. Maybe this guy's not a bad guy, though. Because what a lot of people forget is stormtroopers, they're bad guys, but they're conscripts. Most of the stormtroopers did not choose to be there. So there's a little bit of morality at play there. You know, dealing with this guy who was a stormtrooper, maybe, you know, if you have someone in the party who had particularly nasty dealings with the Empire, maybe this is a guy who directly was involved with whatever it was that happened to that person. Maybe the Empire invaded their world and killed their parents. This guy was leading the battalion that carried out those orders, and somehow he ended up here. There's drama there. There's drama to be found there. And it'll definitely make that player feel included because this is someone who knows their world out here in the strange land. And then they discover, yeah, he knows this world because he brought it to its knees. He destroyed this place. Yeah, he destroyed my home. I would say don't make him the stormtrooper that killed their parents. But have him have been there. You know, he was around. Maybe he wasn't in your village, but he was in one like your village. You know, he he maybe did some things he's not proud of. And your player might want to take out their their vengeance on him as a proxy. Or maybe they'll work through their trauma with him as a friend. That's there. But the ultimate conclusion of this adventure, and by the way, this is using, uh, I would run a Star Wars game in the way that, uh, you know, Hanker and Fernell talked about being an episodic game. I'd run it like The Mandalorian. Um, something like this would probably take a couple episodes. Maybe you could do it in one session. I'd honestly give this two, maybe even three sessions, though. Because the ultimate climax of this is your players are either going to be you know, like top dogs in the arena 
and have to take on this warlord. Or maybe they join the warlord. Maybe you've got some some dark side players, some players with a little bit of gray morality who want to make an ally of this warlord. Maybe this is the kind of guy Talon Card wants to deal with. Um, you know, maybe... Maybe they don't want to kill him, is what I'm trying to say. But ultimately, ultimately, you know, if you have a light side Jedi in your party, um, th- there's probably going to be some kind of conflict with this guy that's going to lead to a fight. So the climax of this game may, or the climax of this session may come down to. Uh, you know, this warlord Jedi, you guys are going to have to fight him and he may outclass you. Maybe he doesn't because, you know, if if you're doing this with a low level party, uh, maybe he was just a knight or maybe even a Padawan who got separated from his master, but because he knew how to use the force, uh, he was able to basically enslave these people. So maybe he's not as big and bad as he thinks he is. But, you know, to, to these peons, he's, he's as tough as it gets. But to you guys, the players, maybe he's a bit of a pushover. Maybe you're tired of him bullying these people. So, yeah, you, you can make this guy as powerful or as weak as you want to, depending on the party that you have on your hands. Uh, You know, if you have no Jedi, you might want to make him a Padawan. uh, Because taking on even a knight with no Jedi might be a bit of a tall order. But ultimately, you know, you want to liberate this town or, you know, get this guy to work with you in some way. And once that's accomplished, uh, you know, you deal with the Imperial threat. If they find you, if you want that to be a thing, uh, you know, maybe the Imperials won't factor in at all. But for me, they would. So you'll have to deal with this warlord. You'll have to deal with the Imperial threat. And then at that point, you know, let these people kind of do what they want. Uh, Maybe at that point say, hey, we know this guy Talon Card who can help you guys out since you're dealing with this massive overhaul and power structure. Um you know, maybe maybe that's where you know, your your mission from Talon Card can come in, and you can. This is really cool. Orin, failed colony world. So there's old Republic ties. You've got these like mountain cities with uh, like Stonehenge things on them. That's pretty cool. You could do something cool there. Feralim might be more your speed. Anything kind of desert-like, you don't want to make too much like Tatooine, though. That could be a problem for you. But once you once you accomplish that, then you want to move on to the next planet. And you want to, you know, always have some variety, some movement. One session we could be in a city, the next in the desert... 
We could spend a couple sessions dealing with the warlord Jedi. We could, you know, have the Imperials come in and threaten us a little bit more. However you want to do it. But honestly, when it comes to like the long, the longevity of a Star Wars campaign, because of how easily people can get bored with the very idea of Star Wars, as easily as the novelty can wear off, you want there to be change constantly, you know, episodic stuff, you know, a, a new situation every week so that no one's bored. And if you want to weave in kind of a grander story behind all that, go for it. Cause you know, Mandalorian does that very well. There's, there's a grander story happening in the background as, uh, Din goes to the different places that he goes to in his ultimate quest to reunite Grogu with his family or with whoever can care for him, a Jedi in this case. So yeah, that with a Star Wars game specifically, that's what you want to do. And so, you know, with that, you're going to want to have a ship that you're very familiar with, very comfortable with. So one of the players is inevitably going to own the ship, or maybe a couple of them do. Maybe you have a smuggler. It's the smuggler's ship. He has the connection with Talon Card. That's how you guys got going here. So. That's pretty much how I would run a Star Wars game. It would be largely unknown worlds. Uh, maybe just for fun, we do a couple adventures on, you know, a world that people know. You know, we, we could do something in the lower levels of Coruscant because those are always cool. Kind of the underbelly of the city. That's always interesting. Uh, but, you know, the Chiss would probably factor into my game a little bit. Definitely be running into the Chiss a lot. Um, you know... But it would be kind of a new adventure every week. Uh, same characters, different situations, maybe a couple crossovers that, you know, go to the next week, depending on what's going on. But for the most part, a new adventure every week. Something episodic. With maybe a small underlying narrative. And that's how I would run a Star Wars game. And you can do that honestly in any era. Uh, even the more well-trod eras like the Clone Wars and the period immediately after. But honestly, if you want the best possible game, I say shoot for something either pre-Phantom Menace, uh, like maybe anywhere from as recent as like two years before Phantom Menace, or as far back as like 30 years pre-Phantom Menace to, you know, that that's one era that you could work well in and have a lot of fun with. Uh, you could also do the, uh, you know, Imperial Remnant New Republic era. That's cool. The New Jedi Order era, while Luke is still training Jedi. You could do that as well. Uh, there's, there's, those are kind of your most fertile areas. You could also do something following, uh, the sequel trilogy. If that's your bread and butter, if you like that era, I say go for that. But either way, 
something that's episodic and something that leans heavily on these unknown worlds, uncharted planets that no one really knows much about, that's going to be where you find a lot of your magic. And it doesn't matter how many Jedi you have or how many smugglers you have. Uh, that's really going to be kind of what you're... That's, that's going to be the, the, the G-spot as far as a Star Wars game goes. So yeah, that is how I would run a Star Wars game. So, guys, uh, this has been really fun, just kind of, you know, ranting and raving about Star Wars. I love this franchise a lot. I get super excited about it. I have a lot of strong opinions on Star Wars. And what, you know, in Star Wars I like, what I don't like, all that stuff. Uh, so it's great to just, you know, rant at you guys for a little bit about this game, uh, about this world, this universe, and how I would leave my mark on it, the kind of Star Wars game that I really want to run. So that is going to do it for today's episode, guys. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. Um, this week, we're not going to do Danishes and Dragons because, uh, you know, we're celebrating my birthday this weekend. Uh, I've got family coming into town, so we're going to have a good time there. Next week, still haven't decided what I'm going to do. Um... It might be something similar to this. You know, I might talk about how I would run a superhero game or something like that. Maybe it'll be a product review. I've got a couple products to take a look at. Uh, but we will be doing Danishes and Dragons. Uh, so there's that. Maybe even next week I'll play some Knights of the Old Republic. We'll see. Uh, it's all going to depend on, you know, kind of what I'm feeling. You know, what what I really want to do as we, you know, get closer and closer to Christmas you know, do I want to play KOTOR next week and the week after? Because the week after, we're definitely doing KOTOR. But yeah, that's that's really going to be... You know, that's going to be what we're doing. So stay tuned to, uh, you know, Instagram and YouTube. or Well, YouTube definitely, but Instagram and Twitter for updates on what I'm going to do in the weeks to come. Uh, I'm going to be super excited to see what's coming in the new year. There's going to be a lot of games to review then and stuff like that. Uh, but while we're in the slow period, I just like to do kind of these loose, fun episodes where I talk about different settings and stuff like that that I'm passionate about. So, guys, thank you so much for humoring me and, and tuning into this episode. Um, thank you for all your support. I hope you guys are having a happy holidays. And I hope you guys have a good week and a good weekend. And remember, whether you rolled a 1 or a 20, I'm so glad that you rolled your bones with me, Ryan Howard. And I'll see you next time.